UMass kicked off the second half with a trip up to Lake Placid, New York, and left with a somewhat disappointing tie in overtime loss. We're breaking everything down in the first high character episode of 2024, so let's go. Trevino shoots, he scores! McCart, one time, and Bollinger fires, he shoots, he scores! UMass does it again! Watch out! Watch out! High character. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 104 of High Character. We are back after a little December break. The team got a couple weeks off, and so did we, uh, but we're happy to be talking UMass hockey again. UMass went up to Lake Placid, New York. They played in the Adirondack Winter Invitational, and to be honest, it was it was a pretty disappointing weekend. They, they tied against Cornell, pretty good team. They ended up losing in the shootout, um, so they, they played the consolation game against Clarkson, uh, not a great team, and they ended up losing in overtime. Uh, a lot of lot of things to talk about from these two games. And we're here to break it all down. My name is Cameron, and once again, I am joined by my good pal Evan. Evan, how you doing, man? It's been it's been a little bit since we recorded. It certainly has been a little bit. Um, disregarding the the hockey events that we'll be discussing in this episode, I've been great. <laughs> you know, things things have been mm-hmm. definitely going solid. It's been a good couple weeks off. You know, kind of recharge a little bit. I wish the the team recharged a little more and they were they were ready to go this weekend. But yeah, I'm personally feeling pretty good and I'm ready to get back into the swing of things with this podcast for sure. Yeah, a lot has happened in between uh, those games against Alaska Anchorage and uh, this matchup against Cornell and Clarkson. Uh, I got engaged, so that's a little personal thing that Huge. happened. It's pretty cool. Um, uh, some things happened with the hockey team. Uh, we'll get into it, I guess, right now. So. Uh, Samuli Ninasari, uh, he got hurt near the end there uh, against Alaska Anchorage. Uh, we didn't see him this weekend. That was kind of a big, um, big guy to be missing. Uh, and of course, we were also missing Michael Hrabble and Dan Lushmelis. They were both at World Juniors. So UMass coming into this tournament well rested, but a little shorthanded with a couple of the key guys not playing. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of said it all right there. Definitely some emphasis on a couple key guys. I mean, Rabble's been absolutely tremendous for our success so far this season. To not have him is obviously a big blow. And, you know, just, you know, Ninasari being out, we were singing his praises earlier on the season. He's kind of been our real shutdown D-man. So, you know, that's that's not even mentioning Dan Slush-Mellis. Like, he's been picking up his play over the course of the season. I'd say he had a pretty, you know, slow start to things, but he's definitely – integrated himself into the team he's kind of caught up to the pace of hockey he's play and he's looked a lot better in recent games so those are three pretty big losses for sure it was and in los Melis's absence we see lucas vanderboys he slid up to the third line center cole brady obviously getting the start in goal for the Minutemen. so um kind of tough mentally going into that knowing you don't have your your starting tendy and one of your better centers there but um it didn't seem to phase umass too much in this first game um, Clark's or Cornell coming in number 17, UMass was number 11. So a ranked matchup to start off the weekend at Lake Placid, which was pretty cool. Uh, Cornell, uh, in our eyes, kind of inexplicably got a, a first place ranked vote earlier this season. I think it was in their first week having, uh, started games. Remember the Ivy league school start a bit later than, than the rest of them. So that was pretty weird, but a solid team that UMass is facing off. And I think the first thing that we noticed right away in the first period, 
they were they were a big team. I mean, there were no there was no scoring from either team in the first period, but it seemed like Cornell kind of kind of dominated the pace of play. No real good chances for either team, but uh, Cornell was tossing the body around and using their size pretty effectively in the first. Yeah, I mean, if I didn't know any better, like if I wore glasses, I would have been like trying to clean them off and like squinting my eyes because I thought I was looking at BU for a second when I was watching them play. Like just like with their overall size and speed, like they're very you know, BU reminiscent in that sense, like almost same exact uniforms, like everything's really kind of matching up. But um, yeah, UMass was, I don't know, we just never could really like break away from them, if that makes sense. Like just like creating separation from like some of their players to, you know, receive passes. Like they were just on top of us almost that entire first period. I think we ended up out shooting them seven to four, but it didn't really look like it. Like it seemed like Cornell was just, kind of dominating us in our in in our defensive zone and just we can't really seem to get any sort of clean breakouts it was definitely a a, a kind of a rough go at the beginning I feel like yeah it was one of those periods where we were sitting sitting back after it ended we were like that hopefully was just a shaking the rust off yeah period I mean it was three weeks since their last game so um that in our eyes hopefully that was what was going on um they did look better coming out in the second but Right away in the second, less than three minutes in, we see Cornell um, doesn't look like a crazy chance. They just have the puck kind of trapped behind the UMass net. Uh, a few guys down there, they're able to dig it out and get a pass to the point. Uh, D-man on the blue line gets the puck, skates in a little bit. He's still um, well above the face-off circle, and he he shoots just a little wrister, and it gets past Cole Brady to to break the tie, puts Cornell up one nothing. Kind of a kind of a stinky goal coming up from from Cole Brady, if we're being honest. Yeah, it was a little unfortunate. I mean, I remember it looking like a pretty darn good shot. I wasn't sure if there was traffic in front. Um, but yeah, definitely not not the way that we would want to start our time here in Lake Placid. Um, again, especially after kind of the the rusty first period, you'd figure, okay, you know, Carvey's gonna get a, you know, he has an intermission to kind of whip them back into shape, give them whatever pep talk they need or whatever, and we can make some adjustments. You know, three minutes in and then we're giving up a goal kind of sucks and I was a little bit nervous from that point onward, honestly, because I feel like it was one of those games where we kind of had to take the lead. I think if we kind of put more pressure on the Cornell to, to try and come back, I feel like we would have put ourselves in a much better position. But to go down one nothing definitely is kind of a is kind of a kick to our collective butts as a team. <laughs> it was, but UMass rebounded uh, very well just a little over three minutes later. We see an absolutely fantastic hustle play from Ryan Lautenbach. Uh, Cornell just kind of has the puck in uh, their own defensive zone. Three guys against one with Lattenbach skating in. Uh, he's throwing the body around. He's able to knock the puck loose, dig it out. Um, and he finds a wide open Michael Cameron in front of the net. Cameron's able to to tap it home. You got the uh, the chance to ask Michael Cameron afterwards if it was nice uh, not having to put a ton of work in for a goal for once this season, just being able to tap it in, uh, which was – he was gave – give a good little laugh. He was pretty relieved there. Um, but yeah, nice, nice goal and really standout play from Loughton back here. Yeah, no, kind of like what you said. I mean, and what I kind of alluded to in, in my question to Michael Cameron was just like, it seems like every goal that he scores, he's streaking up on the rush and he's able to just get a quick little speed play in. This time, he didn't have to move at all and was just able to convert a nice little tap in. So, I mean, definitely one of the easier goals he'll score. Still took some skill. I think he talked at five hole, which is always a good look, but yeah, it was all made by Lautenbach's just incredible hustle. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of been his motif, his, you know, the kind of heir to his game, if you will. 
He has been just absolutely electric when it comes to just forechecking and just being a little pest, getting the puck off people and creating dirty plays. Because at that point, it seemed like we weren't really creating a lot of clean chances. You know what I mean? Like we were, we were, you know, we definitely woke up a bit after the first goal against, but not to the extent to where we would have been able to score with any sort of regularity. So I feel like it was the case of let's just get a dirty one. We'll go from there. And that was almost exactly what happened. So very happy for both of them. Really, really great uh, team play there to, to get the goal. It was in, in watching the team after this play, basically for the rest of the game, it seemed like this one really like shook off the rest of the rust. I think UMass was a much better team than Cornell was for from this moment on through uh, what ended up being overtime in this game. So uh, really good to see there. Um, all again, big uh, big help Ryan Lawton back. Big play for him right there. Later on in the period, uh, about five minutes left, Cornell goes to the power play. Uh, kind of something that you don't see very often. Cole Brady got a holding penalty. Uh, it ha- I didn't see exactly what happened. It happened in his crease. I don't think I've ever seen that get called before. Um, so I'm, I'm assuming the refs saw something pretty egregious to call a hold on the goaltender there. But immediately on the ensuing power play, off a of faceoff, um, guy guy on the blue line rips a, a wrister in on Brady. Real juicy rebound. Really should have been able to glove this one. Uh, they're able to get another shot off, another juicy rebound off the pad. And... Uh, Dalton Bancroft of Cornell is able to put it home, give them the two, one lead. And that's the lead they'll took into the uh, second intermission. Yeah, definitely. Uh, kind of a, a kick to the gut, if you will, you know, like just, it, it seemed like, you know, we could just squeak out of here, tie game, you know, once again, we're, you know, it's all to play for in the third to go down two one. I mean, I guess if you want to look at it from like pure, like miracle on ice vibes, like going into <laughs> the deficit, isn't the worst thing in the world, especially in that arena. But I don't know. It wasn't the case where I wasn't believing in miracles. You know what I mean? But I, I would much rather have a more, uh, you know, a, m- a more standard approach to winning the game rather than having to come from behind. But as we know, UMass tends to be a third period team, especially so this season. So I wasn't that that worried realistically. Like I knew that we definitely we had to wake up. But if there was any time to wake up, it would be the third period because we've done that so much this season already. Yeah, for sure. Um, and in the third, they really looked good. I, I thought UMass was the much better team in this period. Uh, the entire period up until two minutes to go, it seemed like just a matter of one of those days where you just can't find the back of the net, creating all, all kinds of chances. I mean, uh, even Carvey said it in his post game that one of those days where it's just hard to find the back of the net. You're getting the chances, mm-hmm. good high-quality chances, uh, but it's just not coming. They pull the goalie with three minutes left in this game as they go to the power play, I believe, or maybe was it going to the power play? Uh, that sounds right. I believe it. Or no, it wasn't. It, they were, they were just putting on it's, it seemed like a power play at that point in the game. Yeah, exactly. They, they were just throwing all kinds of, all kinds of things at Cornell. Um, they get an icing. That's what it was. That, um, yep. Cornell yep. ices the puck so they can't get a change out, force them to use their timeout. Uh, and Carvey decides that it's time to pull Brady. I asked him about that in post game. What uh, what uh, caused him to pull Brady so early? He said just the the icing, uh, Cornell kind of being on their heels, and how well UMass was playing. All all attributed to being able to pull him, and it ended up working out very well. Um, we see a shot from the point from Ryan Ufko bounces right back out to Musa. He kind of fans on a on a rebound shot, and the puck trickles right to Ryan Lautenbach, who's standing there, kind of in the in the crease area. He's able to 
easily tap it home, gets rewarded for his, all of his effort in this game and, and ties it up. And it was pretty electric moment in this game with two minutes to go. Yeah, no, that was huge. You know, again, kind of classic miracle on ice vibes. You know what I mean? Just again, coming from behind, super, super cool to see. But I feel like the thing that is, I don't want to say like kind of lost in this moment, like it was great for the players on the ice, but I kind of want to highlight like Carvey's coaching decision there. Cause I feel like that's kind of the mark of like really, really good coaching is being able to kind of read the ice, you know, take in the moment, understand the context of what's going on and making a, a basically a game changing decision like that, you know? If I was a coach, I, I remember me and you, we were both kind of remarking, like, it's a little early. You know what I mean? I was yeah. like, normally you go for like, you know, 145, like 130 left. You'll pull the tendy and then see what happens on a rush or something like that. But we said, all right, we already got the face off. I'm pretty sure in this game we were doing pretty well in the face off dot. Um, let me see here. I'm pulling it up. Uh, Yeah, we... 130 35 and 25 in the face yeah so that right there i mean we were winning the face-off battle fairly heavily um if i remember correctly i think van Roboys had a bounce back game because i think he was pretty bad in the, in the well i shouldn't say a bounce back game i should say he did good in this one and then kind of wasn't doing so good against clarkson but uh he was having a great night mercury was having a pretty solid night so it would have been really really important to get that face-off win and kind of execute the game plan and that's exactly what happened so absolutely huge Really happy that it happened to Loughton back because he was playing. He was honestly like the only forward that we were like really, really impressed with, I feel like, over that first game. Everybody mm -hmm. else was kind of just like, you know, they weren't making active mistakes, but they weren't really changing the game. He, yeah. he every single time Loughton back was on the ice, he was making a difference. So very, very happy that he got the game kind, game tying goal there. Yeah, one of those really fun moments, late game, tie it up. Uh, and felt like UMass really deserved it at that point. Game goes to overtime, uh, classic three-on-three -three overtime fashion, just kind of a lot of skating circles. Nothing really happens. Uh, about five seconds left, we see Scott Morrow uh, get the puck. He has a chance for at least a two-on-one. Um, with his speed, you'd have to assume it's two-on-one. Not, I didn't think it was going to be a breakaway. Uh, he clearly gets tripped going into the neutral zone. The refs don't call it, uh, and that's how the period ends. Puck stays in the neutral zone. Scott Morrow really loses his cool after that. He cross-checked a guy in the back right like three seconds after the final buzzer. Um, one of the bigger fights we've ever seen in, in college in UMass. Yeah. Uh, college hockey ensues after that. I believe it was Ufko, Morrow, and Musa who were on the ice, and they were all they all picked a guy and were going at it. The rest all mixing really, it up. Yeah. Weren't really rest weren't really splitting them up either. So it lasted a good uh like 15 to 20 seconds. Uh, check out our, our vlog from the weekend. I'll have that posted somewhat soon. I got a full video of it if you want to check it out. But um, yeah, not not what we're used to seeing from this team. Pretty, honestly, pretty dirty play from Scott Morrow. They gave him a two-minute penalty, although it didn't matter because that was the end of overtime. And it uh, looks like he's not going to get a suspension from it, which I, I guess is good. But uh, yeah, pretty, pretty interesting end there. And, and it all happened because the refs kind of lost control of this game. Yeah, I was going to say, like, guys, hear me out. I know it's going to sound bad. I'm not condoning what Scott Morrow did, but I kind of understand if that makes any sense. It's like, frustration, yeah. Yes. Like, I, I you know, the, there was definitely a, mo a moment that boiled over. You know what I mean? It feels like there's, there's kind of this concept in hockey where I feel like where the act of, like, self-policing things has kind of gone away. You know what I mean? Like there's all these like protections and stuff. Like, you know, you can't hit players after the whistle and all this other stuff. I feel like the game was getting very chippy and it's on the refs 
to be able to like diffuse that. You know what I mean? Like either you let it, you know, kind of fizzle for a little bit and hopefully it kind of just dies down. Or if you just let it go on forever, it's going to eventually explode. And that was what happened. Like they weren't calling anything in overtime, which, you know, there's a fine line there, right? Like there's one side of me that says, you got to let the boys play. You know, you got to, you got to let them play. Don't call anything. Don't make it about the refs. There needs to be a line that eventually gets crossed where they have to start calling stuff. And it felt like that that line was, you know, already, already basically there. And they, it seemed like it got crossed in the the third, maybe the second period. Exactly. And there, there was just no, you know, the refs weren't there to lay down the law. So Scotty Morrow took it upon himself to do so. I, again, I don't condone it. It was a dirty freaking hit. I think it was a clown move. I'll be honest. It, you, you're not supposed to do that, but I feel like if the refs did their job better, it, it wouldn't have culminated to that. I don't know. That, I don't think it's a hot take, but I don't know. Yeah, the, I, I mean, I think it's pretty clear the, the solution to not letting the games boil over to this is just at one point things get too chippy. Call offsetting roughings. Exactly. You don't, you don't put any team at a disadvantage. You kind of tell both teams that you're not going to put up with this anymore. And that's that's usually how it get, gets handled, at least in Hockey East play. Um, these were ECAC refs, just for the record, for both games this series. So a uh, very different look, honestly, from watching Hockey East week in, week out. But, yeah, they, they really let this one get out of hand. And that's how this game technically ends. It goes down in a 2-2 tie for the pairwise implications and the record implication. But because this is an invitational tournament, uh, they need a winner to move on to play the title game of the Adirondack Winter Invitational. So they go to a shootout, uh, an area where UMass hockey has not excelled since it's uh, since it got implemented in college hockey. Cornell goes first. Um, easy, uh, easy goal past Cole Brady. Um, we see Idar Suniev go first for UMass. Uh, kind of a new look. We're used to seeing Ryan Ufko go first in the shootouts. Uh, Suniev can't score. Cornell in their second shot, another one. I think this one went five hole on Brady. He, he really had no chance um, at it. He, he looked pretty uncomfortable for both of these goals in the in the shootout. And then UMass goes Michael Cameron, a guy who's been pretty good in, on breakaways and in, uh, in shootouts, if I remember correctly. He is not able to put it home, and they don't even go three rounds. That's it. Cornell. Takes the shootout, game goes down as a tie, but UMass moves on to the the consolation game here and just kind of further further uh, shows off UMass's weakness when it comes to shootouts. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we didn't look particularly good in the shootout at all, which has been a very common theme. But the thing that frustrates kind of frustrates me the most, and I feel like was kind of lost on me initially after the game, was how well we played in that third period to even get to OT, hmm. like. I, I I think I spoke with you after the game, you know, like if you have five more minutes of five on five hockey, we win that game three, two, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like I, there's not a doubt in my mind. We were just completely outplaying them. We had all the momentum in our favor. And realistically, if the game just went down as a tie, I'd be fairly content with that. You know what I mean? Like come from behind against a completely solid ranked opponent. You know what I mean? Like Cornell is a very, very solid program right now. You know, I would have been happy with that. But seeing it go to the shootout and then we looked utterly outclassed in the shootout was kind of just like the the little crappy cherry on top. That's just like, you know, you had something decent with the tie and I just got to rip it into you a little bit and make you feel bad. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's basically what the shootout was. So 
I was a little frustrated afterwards, but realistically, I shouldn't be because a tie is still a solid result. Yeah, especially when it's one of those nights where you know the team's having tr like trouble converting. They're getting good chances, but they just can't seem to find the back of the net. So um, I wasn't too down after this one. Getting a, a tie against a really good team doesn't doesn't hurt us in the slightest in terms of the that national recognition that pairwise. So uh, it is what it is. You would have liked to play the better opponent in the Arizona State game too. I think that's the one thing that uh, stings a little bit. You don't get that extra opportunity to to boost the pairwise in the second game. Uh, and I have a, a quote from Coach Carvey here. He said, a slow start, but the last two periods, I thought we really took the play to them. We weren't around the net enough to score some ugly goals. I'm a little frustrated. We're the better team, but Cornell found a way. It's a shootout. It was a tie game. Once again, we come back in the third period. A nice goal there with the goaltender out. I thought our kids, once we started competing, we were the better team. But it's one of those games where we just couldn't put the buck in the back of the net. Um, so Carvey really stressing that he, he thought the team was – played better than Cornell in this game. And I have to agree with them. I thought they looked pretty good. Yeah. I mean, cause realistically, I mean, Cornell won the first period, you know, if you want yeah. to look at it like a boxing match or something like that, they get the first, but we got the second two. We mm -hmm. win majority decision where, you know, like I feel like we, we looked really, really solid out there. And it was kind of like what I was saying before you said the quote, like another five minutes of five on five, we win that game three to two. Like I, that's the that's the other thing about three on three that I'm just we we've talked about it at length. Never a fan of it. You got to go five v five in my opinion. But yeah, I I fully agree with Carby there. I mean, it you know we were just that th that's the other thing that kind of gets me about this result is the fact that we looked really really solid offensively. Like we were showing them very very good offensive looks. And Ian Shane for Cornell was just kind of nasty. He had a couple like windmill glove saves in the last like five minutes to like hold it, you know what I mean, as much as he could. So very, very good game out of him. So it does kind of reinforce in my brain, like we're not, you know, we're not, you know, a particularly bad team when you look at that, you know, that that Cornell game. Like that was a very, very solid effort from us. But as we'll, you know, we'll kind of talk about the Clarkson game, I feel like we can't say the same about that. So, yeah. Yeah, and going in, uh, they played Clarkson in the Constellation game. We were a little bit upset because the Constellation game was at 4 instead of 7.30, so it yep. uh, gave us less time to kind of do some do some cool things in Lake Placid, which we didn't appreciate too much, but it is what it is. Uh, one lineup note, Lucas Vanderboy slid down to the fourth line this time. Uh, we didn't touch upon it in the uh, in the Cornell game, but about like basically the whole third period, he didn't get much time on the ice at all. Um, he had a, a really bad play earlier in the game where he kind of did a no-looks no look behind the back, behind the leg, or through the legs pass um, that got intercepted immediately. I don't think Carvey was too fond about that one. Um, and he didn't play much of the rest of this game. So uh, kind of slotting him down there was was pretty notable going into this one. Yeah, I mean, I didn't particularly see anything, I think, just besides that play that was like particularly bad about Vammer Boys. I feel like he was playing his usual kind of greasy gritty self if you will you know kind of you know poking the other team being that being that guy after the whistle but yeah i mean if that if that was the thing that that got him you know kind of i don't want to say like demoted but basically benched in that in that third period that that really does suck for him you know what i mean like because i feel like otherwise other than that it was you know he was playing pretty decently and it's, i don't even think that bad play even led to anything did, did it actually did it lead to a goal against immediately or was it just like a random play i don't remember um I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, I don't think yeah. it. I don't think it ended up leading to anything. So I mean, you know, I think obviously it forced Brady to have to make 
an extra one or two saves that he That's wouldn't fair. have to. Yeah. But so. yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, a, a couple of couple of moves, you know, just you know, after Vanderboys being essentially benched, but relatively the same lineup, and we were hoping for, you know, against a slightly, I guess, weaker opponent pairwise wise, if that makes any sense. Um, you know, we we definitely would want to have some better success. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned that Clarkson comes in. Uh, they're at, at this point, they're number 30 in the pairwise. I believe they were about 34 or 35 coming into this game. So um, definitely a game that you want to win to to keep your spot in the pairwise, uh, being ahead of them like that. And UMass started out pretty well. Um, I, th- I think they look good out the jump. A uh, little less than five minutes in, they have the puck in, in Clarkson's uh, zone. Mercury digs the puck out of the corner. Sebastian Tornquist ends up with it on the blue line. He fires a shot. A um, lot of traffic around the net, but Michael Cameron comes away with it. He's able to to slip the rebound past the Clarkson goalie and, and make it one nothing. Yeah, and I mean that's a really really good play, right? You know what I mean? Like that's that's basically what we needed more of, and we weren't necessarily getting, you know, in that in that first game against Cornell. But th- this was kind of the the moment where it's like, you know, you take the early lead. And you're you're really you're feeling good about yourself, you know, the rest of the way. So I really did think that this was a, a solid start to the game, obviously, as any you know, first goal would be. But um I guess it wasn't, I mean, it was made to last for at least a little bit, but we do eventually get scored on later on in the period to make it a one-one game, unfortunately. Yeah, it it got the vibe right away that it was gonna be one of those, oh, UMass like didn't get the job done fully yesterday, so let's pounce on, on exactly. And get a big win here today. Uh, but credit to Clarkson, they played they played pretty solidly. Um, just from the eye test, it didn't seem like they had a lot of like high skill players, but just kind of a, a solid effort on them. A lot of a lot of good connected passes, things like that. Um, they're able to keep this one close throughout. Near the end of the first period, we see um, UMass has the puck in Clarkson's zone. Clarkson's able to take it away, and just a just a really poor play on Owen Murray's part. He basically allows Clarkson to get a two-on-one going the other way. Kind of, kind of loses track of where he's supposed to be in the neutral zone, and Clarkson uh, starts skating in on the two-on-one. Brady basically uh, he he doesn't ever slide over once the puck um, goes over to the other player in the cross crease pass. Um, He kind of gets stuck where he is. So the Clarkson player Ryan Taylor basically has the entire net. Um, it ends up being a really poor shot. It went far side. Um, if Brady was able to get able to get over and cover any part of the net, he would have saved it. Um, that's just how bad the shot was. But he wasn't there. Shot goes in, and Clarkson ties it at one just before the first intermission. Yeah, that one. Um, that that's what we call the Brady blunder right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you essentially are not covering any of the net at that point. They had almost the whole net to shoot at. Definitely not a a, a recipe for success. So, you know. Definitely that one's on him. You know, obviously a two a two on one like that with a blatant cross creaser is never gonna have, you know, a good look on any defensive unit. But mm-hmm. with the eventual scuff shot, you figure we might be able to get away with that one, but we didn't because I don't know, just basically had the whole net to shoot at. So yep. definitely not not what you want to be doing right there. And not not a great look for UMass. Yeah, and there's no way to sugarcoat it defensively. Goaltending, like just a just a really bad one to give yeah. up in all in all aspects. And near the end of the end of the period, just not being able to go 
uh, strongly into the locker room there. They come out for the second. UMass, again, looks pretty decent. Um, Kenny Connors, especially about four minutes yep. in, uh, has an absolutely fantastic shift. He's able to skate in with the puck. Um, he rips one on net. Uh, very, very weird situation. I, from my vantage point in the arena, thought it went in. I jumped up immediately uh, and, and started selling myself. Um, the put, but the puck wasn't in the back of the net. Play <laughs> went on. Uh, people, people were making fun of me in the crowd. It was a tough moment for me. Yeah, being honest. Um, I ended up asking Kenny Connors after the game if he thought the puck went in. Uh, he very confidently says he think it he thinks it went through the net. Um, we took a look at the video. It sure looks like it. By the way, the puck uh, kind of flies behind the net afterwards. That it actually did go through the net. So pretty interesting there. The, the player says it does. I thought it did. So. Bit, bit redeeming for me to hear that, but it ends up not mattering because 25 seconds later, uh, same exact spot on the ice, Kenny Connor skates in and he puts it in the same exact spot on the net, but this one actually stays inside this time uh, and he's able to score to make it two to one. He gets basically gets two goals in one shift. I like to think that like Kenny Connors is actually like a hockey robot and like the first <laughs> shot was just like him like calibrating himself and then the second shot was like, all right, Purely calibrated, must shoot top <laughs> corner, and he just like nips it off of a one T. Like he was loving it after that. We were we were feeling good. I was like, oh, does that one count? And then all the Cornell or all the Clarkson fans around there were getting a little salty. But it is what it is, you know. You know, we were we were feeling great right there, as we should be going up to one in a midseason tournament. We're feeling great, but uh, yeah, definitely, definitely was a big moment right there. And we were kind of flying high, sort of just off of those two absolutely insane rips from Connors. Yeah, I don't know if it's intentional you uh, saying he's like a robot, but that is sure how he acts when you, when you talk to him. He's a very, <laughs> very monotone and straight-faced guy. So funny, funny analysis there. It makes sense. Yep. A uh, little bit later on, just four minutes later in this period, UMass heads to the power play, and we see Polo Hara. He hasn't had too big of an impact this season. Um, but he gets the puck on the power play right near the faceoff down on the left side. He's able to, to skate with the puck a couple strides, and he just nips one home. A really pretty shot from him. I believe that was his second goal on the year, and good to see him get on the board like that. Yeah, Cole O'Hara, I think, is trying to do me a solid and uh, up his stock for um, most improved player, as I think I, I you know, kind of tipped him to be at the beginning of the season. He hasn't really lived up to that just yet. He's... I don't think he's been playing bad. It's just he's not really taken like the major step that we've kind of all expected. Um, definitely, he looks much improved on the ice, but it's just not translating to any sort of goals. But this one right here, filthy. Like a lot of traffic out in front. Tendy couldn't see it really at all, but it wouldn't really ma have mattered. It was such mm -hmm. a nice, you know, perfectly placed shot. I think it, well, it technically went, I think, post and in. So really, really good shot from him, which is something that, we don't particularly see he tends to be a bit more of a playmaker usually, but definitely took out the shooting stick for this one and was a great goal. It was fantastic goal. Um, and at this point in the game, the momentum seemed clearly on UMass's side. You go up three one on a lesser opponent, feeling really good. Seems like they're about a about a coast to a nice win. But a little over halfway through this period, um, kind of came screeching to a halt. Things really turned on its side. Um, we see he just scored the goal, but uh, just a few minutes later, uh, one of the more boneheaded penalties you'll ever see for Cole O'Hara, uh, a clear interference. I thought he might have hit the guy up high in the head. I don't think they ended up looking at it, but just a really egregious penalty to take. Uh, and then immediately on the ensuing power play, 
you see just a really, really pretty play from Cogson. Um, guy kind of skates in, I believe, uh, Ryan Richardson. He's able to skate in close to Brady. He does a little 360 move and passes it. Uh, no look pass, cross crease. Matthew Gosselin wide open on the other side of the net. Um, one of the better looking goals that I've seen this season. Uh, and and it, a direct result of pretty dumb power play from O'Hara or yeah. penalty from O'Hara. Yeah, no, definitely not a good like penalty to take there at all. You know what I mean? Like you're up by you're you're up by two goals. Just try and separate the guy from the puck. You don't have to be weird about it. You know what I mean? There's no need to get overly physical, especially when you're two goals in the lead. You don't want to give them anything to claw back with. Mm -hmm. And then we do that. I mean, kind of not not the smartest decision decision at all. And like you said, it led to a goal against. So it's probably one of the worst plays you could possibly have, you know what I mean? In that, in that given moment for lack of a better term, but yeah, it, it, it was such an ill time goal because like you said, momentum all on UMass. And th if there's any way to kill momentum in the quickest possible way, it's getting a stupid penalty like that. And them scoring almost immediately. Like yeah. that sets you right back down to planet earth. And it felt like it did for quite a while. It didn't really seem like we could, kind of get back up to, you know, normal, you know, dominant UMass form after this goal. Yeah, you go into the second period, it's tied one-to-one, -one, and you get basically three goals in the first eight minutes. I mean, you have the one from Connors that doesn't count, but uh, felt like it should have. Uh, you get three goals, you're feeling really good, and it just comes screeching to a halt. Five minutes after this uh, Clarkson goal, we see they have the puck in their own zone. Um, Anthony Romano, he's able to flip it out, would have gone through the roof at Merrimack, as we like to say, just a really high arching yeah. pass. Um, really, really, again, poor effort from Owen Murray. Um, the puck bounces right past him. Uh, Arton Martino for Clarkson, he's able to control the puck, skated in basically a pseudo breakaway on Brady. Uh, Martino actually loses the puck, uh, kind of does the, the Nikita Kucherov move, but unintentionally the puck just kind of slides in near side Brady thinks he's going left um the puck goes in the back of the net at two miles an hour and all of a sudden three to three game yeah I mean and at this point I was like boys like like what are we doing here because this isn't like I, I don't mean any disrespect to Clarkson you know how every time we do an episode someone has to catch a stray this isn't meant to be a Clarkson straight but like I feel like with the point of this you know with where UMass is at right now in the season, where Clarkson's at right now, we got we got to be dominating these sorts of teams. You know, for our postseason aspirations and for the pairwise rankings, we got to be dominating teams like this. I immediately was getting flashbacks to the quick trip holiday faceoff from last year. We played Clarkson, I'm pretty sure, in the consolation game, and we got owned. You know what I mean? Like, we were giving up a ton of goals. I, I felt like, you know, I was getting flashbacks to a dark time. Like, mm. I wasn't feeling good, and this was the moment where I was like, we need to take back the lead immediately or things will be going wrong, and I was on full panic mode at this point. Yeah, and uh, again, another goal with less than two minutes left in the period. That's both periods giving up a, a really late-in-the-clock goal, which you never like to see. Um, can't take any kind of momentum into the locker room, but they do end up taking a little momentum into the into the locker room. As the clock was expiring in the second, Jack Judson on Clarkson, uh, just an egregious cross-check in the back to end the period. Um, the call goes down as a two-minute boarding call. Um, I thought it looked like a cross-check like cross in the back up high, maybe towards the head 
um, area. I, for, I forget which UMass player it was on, but um, UMass decides not to challenge. They don't take a look at it. Uh, so UMass is on the power play to start the third period. Um, you think that's going to be able to, to spark something, kickstart some momentum to start the third period, and it does the opposite. We see Ryan Ufko uh, just kind of having some difficulty controlling the puck at the point. Um, UMass is set up in the Clarkson zone at this time. Ufko just kind of fumbles the puck, and it gets taken away from him. Um, guy on Clarkson has basically a breakaway. Anthony Romano, shorthanded. Um, you see Idar Suniev try to make an effort on him. He ends up hooking him on the play, and Romano still scores shorthanded on Brady to make it 4-3. So a, a real kick in the nuts here to start the third. There's no other way to put it. It's so bad, dude. Like, this at this point, I didn't even have words for this one. You know what I mean? Like, it's you know me when I watch these games. I'm usually at the bare minimum. I'm like, I'm saying a bad word. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know me. Like, I get very animated when we get scored on. I was stunned. Yeah, you I were know, quiet in this third period. I, I didn't know what to do. I was shell shocked, bro. Like, I, I genuinely, like, there. What I was seeing unfold before my very eyes was exactly what I didn't want. Because I remember me and you were talking. We were like, could there be a little bit of like an idea of revenge here? You know, like from the last midseason tournament. You know, you never know what, what a game like this is going to bring. And for it, almost the exact same sort of, you know, stories unfolding in this time in person. You know what I mean? At least, yeah. at least before I was watching it on TV with you. But in this one. We're there, and it's happening. Six hours live. from home. <laughs> yeah, like we're we're deep in the trenches. We're behind enemy lines, and my guys out there are getting slaughtered. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know what to do. And yeah, it was it was not a good feeling at all. And I was just praying for some sort of way out at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah, just ugly, ugly play. In in a matter of seven minutes, um, you see the bad penalty from O'Hara, the the power play goal for Clarkson. Um, the goal to end the period and this shorthanded goal all in seven minutes. Um, just a really bad effort from UMass in this part of the game really wasn't looking good. Kind of didn't know what to think at this point. Uh, they weren't, they weren't playing a very inspired brand of hockey in this third period either. Um, so this moment here about eight, eight minutes in kind of went against the grain a little bit. We see Lyndon Alger. He's got the puck near, uh, near the corner of the blue line at the point. Um, just kind of tosses in a shot. It wasn't hard by any means. Somehow it's able to get through everybody and tie the game. It was kind of kind of one of those moments where you didn't even realize what happened until the puck was already in the back of the net, but um, real big goal to tie the game at four. So you describing this goal just reminded me that I didn't use a very specific term when Kenny Connors scored his goal. Kenny Connors scored <laughs> a certified is missile. Now, this one, however, is... At, at high character, the complete and utter inverse. This is a twine-seeking missile. I wouldn't even and call it that if I'm I would. <laughs> I think this this is the pure definition of a twine-seeking missile. Right. Found its way through about four or five bodies in front of the net. Found its way through the tendy. You know, like, that thing had to dodge so many things that were in its way in order to get to its acquired target. If that's not a twine-seeking missile, because it did end up hitting twine at the end of the day, I, I I don't know what else you'd call it, Cameron. I, I think you, I'd call it a twine-seeking lob, if I'm being honest. <laughs> dude, all right. If we want to call it like a twine-seeking like – Toss. Yeah, just something <laughs> like that. I don't care. All right, maybe not a missile, 
Maybe it's like buckshot out of like a shotgun or something. It's it's normally harmless <laughs> at a, at a major distance, but this one just found its way. I don't know, man. But I'm just I'm just realizing the the UMass Hockey Twitter account didn't even have a word to describe it. They just say Alger ties it up. There you go. See that, that about sums it up right there. It's a twine seeking tying missile. I don't care. <laughs> like it's getting the job done, and that's all that matters right now. Yeah. I was looking for a way out. And me and you, we were roasting Linden during this game. He, yeah. up until this point, was potentially, dare I say, good try UMass award recipient. Like, giving up a lot of just random turnovers in the middle of the neutral zone. Could not complete a pass. Was just very lazy passing. A lot of turnovers. Wasn't really getting it done defensively. And then he scores a really important goal to tie the game up and send it to OT. Yeah. Well, welcome to hockey, folks. You know, yeah. it's just the way it is. And for those of you that weren't watching both of these games, uh, Alger got top line minutes. It was the first time we had seen that this season. He was paired with Ryan Ufko. Um, he he played a lot. It seemed that at one point, even McDermott and Murray's line got skipped over a few times and he was just out there a yeah. whole lot. I, I'm not sure he was used to that kind of playing time, uh, to be completely honest, but yeah, pretty pretty interesting there, and kind of went against the grain of of how his game was going at that point. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just it could have very well for him just been a thing of like conditioning. You know, like he's probably yeah. usually playing much less minutes than than he's playing right now. And like you said, like we were literally cutting down the third defensive line almost entirely. We were rolling two defensive lines. We looked like last year's UMass. Dare I say? Yeah. You know, like really only giving, you know, major defensive minutes to, you know, basically Ufko and Morrow. And it would just kind of extend to whoever was on the line with them, hoping that they could kind of keep up, if that makes sense. Right. And, you know, Bollinger was doing a good job keeping up with Morrow. But I don't know if Linden was was really, you know, he, he just wasn't really getting it done this game, you know. So for him to tie it up, huge redemption, you know what I mean, that really, you know, kind of upped his stock for this game. But – on the whole, barring this moment, he probably wasn't having the best game leading up to that moment. So, Yeah, and you mentioned Bollinger. I, I don't think we'll talk about him again later. I thought he played pretty decently uh, this weekend. He didn't really show up on the score sheet that much, but just eye tests. Um, he played pretty well fine. in all the minutes that, in that he was given. Um, that's how this the third period ended, 4-4. Four to four. You go to overtime, already, already a little bit disappointing. Clarkson's not a team you want to have an overtime result with. You really just want to beat him in regulation. Uh, but this one goes to overtime. Uh, and with about two minutes and 20 seconds into overtime, Clarkson, they get a two-on-one. Um, the the puck carrier, he rips a shot instead of passing cross crease. Uh, just a really juicy rebound again off Cole Brady right back to this the shooter. He's able to easily put it past Cole Brady. And that's it for this one. Clarkson wins five to four. A really disappointing outcome. Dare I say the most disappointing game of the season, if we're being honest. I'm not oh. sure if you have the same opinion as me, but this one, this one was tough to swallow. I'm trying to do some quick mental math to think of other. I mean, we don't have that many defeats this season, luckily. Yeah, Ver two of the two Vermont losses are the only ones, but one of those we were pinning on the refs, and the other was we just kind of got our asses handed to us, so I don't know. Yeah, I I think this probably – yeah, yeah, no, that, that might be a hot take. I don't know if there's any that I'm forgetting, but gut check right now without much thought, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, just brutal outcome, 5-4. Um, 
yeah, I don't I don't know if there's anything else you want to say about it. It was just tough. You were you were pretty quiet after this one. I couldn't really get in your head, but I I was just I again just complete and utter shock. I think is the is the name there. Like and you know. I feel like maybe, so I, this is going to sound really, I don't even know if I should say this on the pod, but I was so upset after this that I didn't even want to go down to like the media stuff with you. Like I was just so like, I don't even know, you know what I mean? Like my brain was just turned off at that moment. Like didn't even know what to think. I was just so annoyed with the whole situation, but uh, it, it sounds like, you know, like from what you gathered at all the media stuff. Carvey was not not feeling it after this game for for lack of a better term. I don't know. Maybe maybe that was a very very light way of putting it, but yeah, you might want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, like coach Car- coach Carvey was not happy after this one. I have a, a quote from him here. He said it's a book I've read before. We control tempo, we control the play, we control chances and can't find a way to win. We're lacking something. We're ahead 3 to 1 in a game where we're playing well. And we let them back in and take some bad penalties. Once again, we find a way to come back in the third period. It's just a bit frustrating. We're a good hockey team that's not playing to our full potential right now. And I think that sums it up well. I, I mean, I think there were there were times in both games where this team played like they were clearly the deserving team. And then moments, uh, both goaltending, defensively, that just they're they're lacking something. I, I don't know if it's focus. I don't know if it's shaking the rust off, but. Um, to have those kind of moments, I guess, twice in one weekend was pretty concerning. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm pretty concerned right now. We'll have to see how, how this team plays come next week. I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not worried. Like again, in the moment, really annoyed, right? Like I, I completely understand where, where Carvey's coming from. Like, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll get into the awards and it'll kind of make a little bit of sense. Like at least where I'm coming from, like, I, I'm not worried for that. That's my short answer is that I'm not worried. And I guess the slightly longer version is just like, it's, it's one weekend. You know what I mean? Like if there was any weird time to start off in a funk, you know what I mean? It's going to be during this mid season tournament where there's not any hockey use points to even play for. And, you know, like we have a fairly, at least in my opinion, easy run of games, you know, for, for hockey East play starting back up right now. Like like UConn and Merrimack, that's three games right there. If we're not playing to our best, we can still win the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't think this is the worst possible time. And it kind of makes sense because I feel like something similar happened last year with us. You know what I mean? Like we were, we started off that season amazingly. You know, we've talked about it time and time again, like Denver wins, yada, yada, yada. We looked really good to start the season. And then kind of getting around to this time was where it kind of all just fell apart. You know what I mean? Like we started off this this part of the season really poorly. I don't think this team has that same mentality to them. You know, there's so many different pieces. Leadership's different. A lot of things change. I don't see us falling into that again. I feel like it's way too early to even make that determination. We're still 11-5-2 on the season. I think we'll be fine. Yeah, you'd like to think so. And obviously having your starting goaltender out and one of your better centers out for world juniors doesn't help the situation. A lot of people on, on Twitter afterwards were, were calling for UMass to never play in these uh, mid season tournaments again, that overlap with the world juniors. And I honestly, I kind of agree with it. Some of the the better teams, BC, Michigan aren't playing games during this time. So kind of seems like the, the smart way to go about the scheduling there, but yeah, um, disappointing weekend from UMass. Uh, there's no way to really sugarcoat that. 
but um, I don't think it's, I think there's some concerning aspects of play, but uh, definitely no uh, debilitating fears as we go. And I, I think UMass still has a chance to take care of business up in this uh, later part of the schedule coming up here. For sure. And just to, just to kind of piggyback off, off what you said, I feel like we should still have uh, mid-season tournaments and we should still go to them all the time because it gives us an excuse to travel. <laughs> and I think that that's pretty cool <laughs> Yeah. because I genuinely don't think of any other time where I would think, damn, you know, it'd be a cool place to go this weekend. Lake Placid. Like that just wouldn't have crossed my mind like organically. Right. So the fact that UMass hockey led me over there, cause it was a freaking awesome time. I got to say, you know, just, I got to, I got to root for more stuff like that. Cause I think it's really cool. And it gives me a reason to go explore places that I wouldn't, wouldn't have normally explored. Yeah. It was a, a cool little area, a cool drive to get up there too. And we, uh, we ran into a lot of people who recognize us, I think more than any place we've ever gone. So, uh, very cool getting to talk and, and chat with a, a lot of UMass fans. There. That was awesome. Yeah, that was super cool. I mean, we were getting recognized a ton just because you got to figure it probably a quarter of that village's population at that point was probably UMass fans coming from out of town. So yep. definitely a lot of people that could have recognized us. And it was awesome to, you know, talk to people, people that honestly, me and you probably didn't even recognize, you know what I mean? Like we couldn't even like pin like, you know, a Twitter name for them or something like that. But it was just awesome to see people even, you know, just like recognize us and be like, oh my God, you know, like, you know, how'd you think the team did last night? And just like, just to talk about stuff that we enjoy talking about, you know what I mean? Like I could talk about UMass hockey for literally weeks on end and not get bored. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's super fun when that, when that happens to us. So definitely appreciate everybody, you know, talking to us, like, you know, at Lake Placid, it was super cool. And thanks for being cool fans, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we really appreciate it. What do you say we hop into awards for this this weekend? Let's get it, Cameron. All right. So the first award that we give out, CCC Carvel's Character and Compete, basically the player of the series, or, or in this case, player of the tournament in our eyes. Um, and I, I think you and I were able to come to an easy consensus, consensus on this one, both um, the eye test and on the score sheet. It's Ryan Lautenbach. He always plays with a whole lot of heart, a whole lot of hustle, and it was really on full display this weekend, and he got rewarded for it on the score sheet. That's my Mr. Chicken with his head cut off award <laughs> recipient. There we go. He's killing it. We we love we love Loudy on this on this pod. Like yeah, this genuinely, is a, this is a Ryan Loutenback respect pod right here. A hundred percent. Yeah, we are based Ryan Loutenback enjoyers. Okay, yeah. this is this is awesome. Um, no, he's he's by far probably since his freshman year, he's probably my favorite player on the team right now. You know, there's definitely a couple of guys that are in the running, but even just this weekend, he's kind of won me over. You know what I mean? Like, even with two losses and overall kind of crushing losses, if we're being honest here, at least. One tie, one tie, one loss. Well, yeah, I always, yeah, I keep doing this. I did this all weekend. It felt like a loss to me, damn it. But, no, I I think, you know, just the hustle and the the forechecking and the drive and just never quitting on his motor – he it's so hard to not root for him you know what i mean like he's he's just you know he plays the game and it sounds so cliche i can't believe i'm saying this in a hockey context he plays the game the right way you know what i mean like yep. he he's always given 100 so very very happy that he was able to get rewarded on the score sheet and on the high character podcast because let's be honest i think our awards mean a little bit more no i'm just kidding but <laughs> It's always great to see anyway. Yeah, and there were probably times uh, earlier in the season where he could have deserved this award too. I, I think this might be our first CCC for him this season, but 
Um, I don't think oh, since he came to UMass, there's ever been a week where he was even close to being in consideration for the good try. So yeah, um, honestly, really, really solid efforts. Uh, and and we couldn't be more appreciative of the hustle that we see every single game from this guy. Dude, that is such a freaking good point. Now that I think about it, I he I think has never even been remotely close. Yeah. to a good try. Like I think he has like probably the highest floor of like any college hockey player I've almost ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> like that actually sounds insane to say, but it's so true. He he's always at least average. You know what I mean? Yep. So definitely definitely got to give him props where it's due. Absolutely. So uh, good job there, Ryan Lautenbach. All right. Our next award that we give out is the Good Try UMass Award, uh, a guy that we'd like to see play better out there the next time. Um, there was a, a little bit of the debate between us about who this award should go to, but I think in the end we decided on Cole Brady. He looked decent in the in the game against Cornell. He didn't face a ton of shots. I'm checking now. He, he faced 24 shots. He gave up two goals. He kept the team in it. Um, he looked just flat out lost in the shootout, which was kind of tough to see. And then in the Clarkson game, he faced 23 shots and gave up five goals. Some of them were were really bad. Um, I think the most notable thing from this game was the rebound control was was pretty tough. Um, a lot of extra opportunities given to Clarkson on the rebounds. So um, it wasn't Cole Brady's weekend, and I'm I'm very curious to see what'll happen next week because. Um, if Michael Rabble loses his game on Tuesday in World Juniors, he will be able to be back uh, with the team in time. He's played a lot over the last two weeks, kind of wondering how uh, how UMass is going to use him. So I'm interested to see what kind of run Brady's going to get at least next week. But yeah, it, it it wasn't his weekend, if we're being honest. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, there's there's going to be one, a couple of snarky people going to be like, "All right, Evan, what about your guy? I thought you said Cole Brady was good." Like, I, I knew it was coming, whatever. You know, like, he's not going to play perfect all the time. I'm not going to sit here and, you know, say what I'm going to say. But he definitely did not put in his his best work this weekend. I think in the first game he was – honestly, I wouldn't even say passable. I'd say he was pretty good. Like, there were some pretty high-danger chances that he ended up snuffing out pretty easily. Like, you know, crazy one-tees in the slot and stuff like that. He made some pretty big saves, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Second game, though – pretty freaking inexcusable you know what i mean like the defense did him no favors you know you don't you don't have to skirt around that but there was a couple of goals that were just flat out on him so definitely you know he got the goal support especially in that clarkson game like we scored four and we still couldn't find a way to win that's frustrating you know what i mean at the bare minimum so definitely not a great look for him and i feel like that's part of the reason why i'm not extremely concerned yet like this this happened with you know this this happened with our backup Tandy, you know you don't know what's going to happen with Rabble and you know going forward, he's prone to making his own mistakes, he tends to bounce back from them. You know what I mean? So the only reason why Cole Brady really played was because Rabble was out. I feel like at this point, I looked at it. I looked at Cole Brady's stats in the season. I think he's a three point zero eight goals against average and like an eight eighty one save percentage or something like that. I feel like against UConn, screw it. Throw in Jackson Irving. Let's see what we got. You know what I mean? Like, we saw what we got for how long was it? Seven minutes or so, I think, for uh, for Jackson Irving, and that it's, was against it's about it's about ten. Was it about ten? Okay, I yeah. thought it was. Yeah, it was like half the last period or whatever. And dude killed off a five on three for two minutes. You know what I mean? Like, 
I feel like at this point, if you know that you're not going to have Rabble back, and if you're going to end up giving up five goals, you know what I mean, against, you know, freaking Clarkson, who knows what you're going to give up against a kind of a, a surging UConn team, dare I say. They started off the season god-awful, and now they're pretty pretty decent again. So, I mean, I'd say just see what you got with Jackson Irving. He might be seeing time next season anyway, depending on our goalie situation. Yeah. So see what you got, maybe. But, yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting if uh, if Czechia make it even farther in the tournament. Yeah, I got to be honest. Czechia's playing against Canada Yeah, on, on Tuesday morning at 830. Um Obviously, I wish the best for Michael Harabel, but uh, I want him back. Even even if he's played a lot of games, um, I'm kind of rooting for Czechia to lose and for us to selfishly for us to get Michael Harabel back. Even even on short rest, I'd prefer him playing on Friday. Just just give him the given the circumstances. But yeah, not a not an ideal goalie situation for for UMass hockey right now. We'll have to see how it shapes out come the next few weeks. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so so would you not even entertain the idea of Jackson Irving? I would not personally. You um, if we have Michael Rabel back, I'd much rather see that, especially considering we only have one game next week. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying so. Let's say let's say Michael Rabel does the impossible. Forty-seven save no no <laughs> against Canada. You know what I mean? They win one nothing. What do you do? For me, it's Cole Brady. If he gives up a quick one or two, uh, quick hook. That that would be how I would so, operate. So Cole Brady short leash. Yes, exactly. Okay, interesting. That's how right. I would go about that. I could see it. Yep. All right. That is the the good try award. Let's uh let's jump over to our custom awards. Who are you giving a custom one to today? All right. So I am going to call it the blowing off steam award. So the context. This is going to Scott Morrow. Um. Basically, dude lost his cool in the first game. There is no doubt about that. Pretty dirty board at the very end of the game. Got himself tossed as he should have. Silly play. Let's he be technically honest. didn't get himself tossed for what I, it's worth. But what well, I mean, he he got a minor penalty or yeah. or whatever, which made him ineligible for the shootout. He yeah. went down the tunnel, whatever, for all intents and purposes. Essentially, got himself tossed. Um, I noticed in the second game he was a lot more physical. Mm. Like, he doesn't normally strike me as kind of like, you know, the hitting type, the, you know, throwing the body around type. He's a little bit more finesse about his game. He'd like to go around the player instead of through them. But I don't know what it was in this game. Like, you know how Kale McCarr has been laying out hits in the NHL right now? Like, just completely, you know, without even looking at somebody, just demolishing them, like, right along the blue line. He that's that's what Morrow was doing in this game, just lowering the shoulder, clean big hits. You know, like I was completely shook. I was sitting there, like I would see us absolutely plant a guy in the neutral zone. I'm like, who the hell just did that? And I'm seeing a 23 on his back. I'm going, huh? <laughs> like, what is going on here? Pure disbelief. But I would love to see more of that out of Scotty. You know what I mean? Because he can he can already play defense on you in a, a number of different ways. Like his stick work is very, very good, but he got a pretty big frame. He's sneaky big. You know what I mean? Like we give him all these props for being like, you know, really gifted offensively and you know, having great hands and you know, having you know an agile, you know, skating style and stuff like that. This dude's like what six two, like 195. Like 
he got some size to him. He's a pretty big dude. So now that he's throwing it around, very encouraging. I hope that it happens even more, you know, in the future because he could be another big physical guy, you know, that is just adding kind of another layer to his already really, really good offensive game and his ever-growing defensive game. Yeah, I'm all for it as long as he keeps it clean. Um, of course, gotta, of course. Got to be disciplined. But, uh, yeah, Scott Morrow playing better defense this year. If he starts throwing the body around like that, I'm I'm a fan of it for sure. All right, so uh, my custom award, I'm going to go with the Want to See Me Do It Again award. <laughs> um, I'm taking this one from a, a classic SpongeBob episode. Um, SpongeBob, uh, you, you imagine that he runs to the rock. Um, he says, Want to See Me Do It Again. He just does it so fast. I'm giving this award to Kenny Connors. Um, as we as we talked about before, uh, from, from all accounts uh, that we've talked to, our own personal accounts, he scored a goal. It didn't count. Um, he immediately on the same shift before a whistle even happened, skates in and does it again to the same exact spot in the net, even same exact spot on the ice that the shot comes from. Um, so congrats, Kenny Connors on the want to see me do it again award. That was, that was pretty cool seeing the, the same goal twice in 20 seconds. Yeah. I never thought that I would see this award name ever be done because it's just like, I could never even think of like what the context would be. Like yeah. how does somebody score twice? Like there's no way someone's getting like right off the face off after scoring a goal. You know what I mean? Like that'd be a crazy type of goal to be scored. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, this, this was freaking nuts. Cause it was like identical spot both times. You know what I mean? Like it, you know, one being a bit of a wind-up one T, and the other one was a pretty, you know, off-the-brush wrister, essentially. D two, you know, different enough goals, but they end up hitting that perfect spot in the top right both times. And that was something that it seemed like Kenny was kind of struggling with it a lot, you know, a lot of the time this season. He, especially on power plays, like, he's winding up for a big one T from the right face-off dot. He's fanning on it. You know what I mean? Like, that's what happened a lot of the times in the past. And now... He, he has that shot seemingly down pat. So mm -hmm. if, if he kind of got his mojo back a little bit, that's going to be pretty scary for Hockey East because I think he was either our top goal scorer or our like second or third top goal scorer last season. If yeah, he can get back Taylor, into the, right. Yeah, if, if, if he can get back into that form, we're looking good. You know what I mean? Because the second line's been, uh, I think, a little quiet this season. You know yeah. what I mean? Like Taylor, Taylor has been, you know, like we've been talking about a lot this season, kind of creating chances, you know, he does his classic. I'm going to take the puck from my own zone, skate it all the way up the ice by myself, and I will get a shot on somehow. But he hasn't been scoring from it as much. I, you know, I just, they're not really dominating the way that I feel that they should. And I'm hoping that it kind of, you know, with, with Kenny Connor's elevated play, it should elevate his line mates as well, hopefully. Yeah, for sure. And and earlier this season, we kind of seen him whiff a lot, especially on those one-timers, to see him connect on one this solidly and to yeah. aim that shot perfectly. That was a really promising sign. And for those who might be thinking at home, uh, hey, why why did he score? Why didn't they review it if, if you think it went through the back of the net? Um, he scored the, the actual goal that counted before there was even a whistle. Yeah. So if they, if they yeah. were to challenge this one and go take a look at it, um, that, that goal that he actually – Put in the net that stayed there that would have got taken off the board so um really no point in going to check that one out to be honest but yeah that's that's why that one didn't get looked at yeah that would have been like i mean it makes perfect sense obviously if there was a stoppage he yeah. would have easily went over to carving so the dude reviewed that and he would have got his goal regardless but honestly 
it's probably better. You know what I mean? You know, we can still keep our time out or whatever if they Yeah, you keep whatever. the momentum. You don't stop playing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You, don't, you don't have to sit there for two and a half minutes. It's just a nice and easy goal. I think they ended up actually stopping play anyway because – I think they were trying to figure out if they wanted to review it or something like that. Like they went and checked out the goal to see if there was a hole in it. Yeah, okay, yeah. There, I just remember there was a little bit of kind yeah. of a, you know, weird stoppage anyway. So I don't even know if it would have mattered, but yeah, luckily it didn't. So great goal from from Kenny both times. I should say great goals out of Kenny. Yep, and congrats on the custom award as well. All right, so uh, is that it? Anything else you wanted to touch on from this game, and uh, before we go into the out of town scores? Um, nothing that I can think of right now. Um, I did ask uh, Musa if he could score uh, earlier in the game in the in the warm up tunnel, and he gave me a little smile saying that he would. Sadly, he didn't. So, Oof. Muse, if you're if you're listening to this right now, you Catch got me next game, game, buddy. No, no, no. Yeah, no. He's gonna <laughs> he's gonna get me next game. If, yep. if nobody else got me, I know Musa got me. All right. So, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna get that goal at some point this year, <laughs> but. Yeah, it just didn't happen when I when I wanted it this weekend. But it is Maybe. what it is. He still didn't play that bad. He was he was actually yeah. making some pretty solid plays. He should have scored one, I think. But he was in a perfect scoring position. But he actually dished it off. And I think the guy that he dished it to whiffed. So yep. he was being unselfish, and you know I I can respect that. <laughs> so yeah, he'll he'll get a nice tip in goal against UConn. I'm sure. A hundred percent. You know <laughs> this is gonna be hilarious. You're gonna have to clip this, and yep. then when he does do it, you got to overlay it, and that'll be really fun. For sure. All right, so yeah, let's let's go over to the Hockey East out-of-town scores. A lot of non-conference over the weekend. Um, the last weekend of non-conference play, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. From here on out, the schedule is just Hockey East games for UMass? That sounds right. Yeah, it is. So a um, lot of, lot of out-of-conference scores to go through here. A lot of midseason tournaments. Um, we see Northeastern. They played in the, the Quick Trip Holiday Face-Off. I don't know if it's called the same sponsor, but it's that holiday face-off in, in Milwaukee. They got Minnesota Duluth in the first game. Um, a lot of a lot of bad things going down with that program right now. Uh, I encourage you to go check it out if you're interested, but Duluth is is not the program they once were this season. Northeastern actually beats them 4-3 to three in overtime. Um, they play Wisconsin in the second game in Wisconsin in Milwaukee, and they lose 3-0. Um, Maine played in the Ledyard Bank Classic in Hanover, New Hampshire. Uh, they took care of business up there. They got a 5-2 win against RIT on Friday. And then on Saturday, they got a 5-1 win against Dartmouth. So um, good job there from Maine. They've, they've been taking care of business all season. And then we have a lot of other just random um, non-conference games to go through. Uh, on Friday, BU beat Yale 6-1. to uh, Obviously, that outcome is going to happen, BU versus Yale this year. Uh, Merrimack beat Brown five to one. Vermont beat St. Thomas five to one. And uh, New Hampshire took a pretty bad loss six to three to Army. Army is one of the bottom dweller teams in the yeah. country this year. Uh, that one really hurts their pairwise, I'm sure. Um, all those uh, random non conference games happen on Friday. And then on Saturday, AIC beat UMass Lowell. UMass Lowell really struggling this season. Uh, Vermont beat St. Thomas four to one. That was expected. Providence beat Brown three nothing. That's expected. And New Hampshire bounced back with a six two win at Sacred Heart on Sunday. Merrimack beat Stonehill three to two. Honestly, that's a bit concerning for them. I think Stonehill still uh, defeated this year as a new D one program. And Defeat. then, yeah, and and then UConn. 
<laughs> and UConn got a, a nice four to two victory against Harvard. That was a, a good win for them. And they're, they're on the up and up as they uh, come into Amherst this weekend. So a lot of scores there. I don't know if anything catches your eye right off the bat there. I mean, I guess right off the bat, the only thing I could say is that there was a ton of like hockey East ECAC crossovers for yep. sure. I think like almost the entire like conference just faced off against somebody of the opposite conference the entire weekend. But um, I think the main thing that it's funny that I word it this way. The main thing that I want to point out is Maine, um, because they are doing basically what I in mentioning about UMass, right? Like they have been dominating the teams that they're supposed to dominate. Like granted, I feel like their opponents might've been a touch easier than UMass was this weekend. I, like, I would say they're a little more than a touch. They were, they were easier opponents. Yeah, they, they were, they were, but like that just goes to show you how much of like a well-oiled machine Maine is right now. You know what I mean? Like they, they're, they're kind of, dare I say, a wagon. They are, they're really freaking good this season. Well, let me and say this for context. They jumped into first place in the pairwise rankings this weekend. Did they really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that tells a story right there. I knew they were nice, but I didn't know that nice. Yep. But, yeah. My, but point point is, though, is that if – if you might want to correct me if I'm wrong here if I'm misremembering, but I think you said they won both of their games 5-1 to one or like 5-2 to two or something like that. 5-2 to two against um, – who was it? Five it was to two RIT. RIT five yeah. to one against Dartmouth. Yeah. So that right there, I mean, two, you know, pretty, pretty lower ranking, I think, ECAC schools there. Yeah. But five one, they're getting the job done. You know what I mean? That is a comfortable win. UMass hasn't really been in the business of comfortable wins. I feel like they've been in the business of freaking last minute nail biter wins. You know what yeah. I mean? Like they're they're still not dominating the teams that I'm expecting them to, to dominate. And it's a little bit frustrating just because I see other programs doing it and I'm thinking, why can't we, you know what right. I mean? So I feel like, you know, I genuinely do feel like we are on that level of, of, you know, like Maine's going to be challenging for, for a title. I genuinely think we are as good as them. And we just are having big time inconsistency issues. Whereas they are extremely consistent night in night out. So if as long as we face the consistency, I think we could be a you know a top five team. We just need to fix that. Yeah, I, I think so too. And uh hockey east very good this season. Just extremely uh, one, two, and four in the pairwise, Maine, BU, and BC. Um, so three of the top four uh schools in the country right now are hockey east. Quinnipiac is number three, another uh northeast school. Uh so northeast college hockey, New England college hockey. Uh, is really thriving right now. It's pretty good to see. Yeah, I mean, that just proves time and time again, Hockey East is that conference, you know what I mean? Like, it's just so much quality just spread throughout. Like, it's probably the most consistent conference in, in college hockey right now mm -hmm. when it comes to, I'm pretty sure almost every team that we have is like, what, top 30, top 35 in pairwise maybe. I'm trying to think yep. of like who the lowest would be. I'm, like, I'm guessing like Northeastern or Vermont, but – yeah, they, you know, almost every single team is, you know, good enough to basically beat anybody else in the, in the in the conference. So we are absolutely blessed to be able to enjoy that. You know what I mean? Unlike, you know, some other sports at UMass right now, we're not having potential conference realignment issues. <laughs> I think I think we're holding pretty steady in hockey East, and I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, I I'm 
really happy that we can play against really, really good programs and local programs to boot, you know, every weekend. So great to see. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned a couple of schools who you thought might be the lowest. Uh, it looks like UMass Lowell is the lowest wide team right now. They're 38. Um, they're six, 11 and two this season. So uh, pretty rough go from them. Uh, the second lowest, and I guess this can be a segue into our, our last bit of conversation here, UConn, they're number 28 in the pairwise. Uh, they're eight, nine, and one on the season in conference. They're four and six, um, not having a great year. And and they're coming to Mullins for the first time. You must get their first look at them. Um, UConn has been a very good program over the last couple of years. If you remember two years ago, um, they took UMass to overtime in the Hockey East Championship at TD Garden. So um, they've really played UMass well. Uh, they had our number last season. So uh, a game this year, uh, given the context that UMass is going to want to come in and get that win, I, I think you really need this win uh, against this this level of a team. But uh, yeah, I, I think they're they're a decent team. I mean, 20th, 28th in, in pairwise is nothing to sleep on, especially because uh, Clarkson right now is 30th. So uh, it, it'll be a challenge, but UMass really needs to get the job done against them come Friday. Yeah, no, I mean, I am hoping that we get the classic situation of UMass is going to be on a rampage and God help whatever team stands in their way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I need Carvey to go full on boot camp with these guys. You know what I mean? Like, whip them back into shape, figure it out, you know, knock out the cobwebs, whatever phrase you want to use to get them ready for, for game night you know, on Friday, that's, that's what we're going to need. And UConn has been kind of stepping up their play. I'm pretty sure over the course of the season, I think they started off horrendously and they've kind of started to figure it out. I think Matthew Wood's been much better as of now this season, who's kind of been like their, their main guy over there. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, you know, come game night, but we, you know, I'm echoing your, your sentiments wholeheartedly, you know, we need to get the job done and, you know, play our, you know, find our identity again. You know, Carby always wants to talk about identity. We didn't have an identity this weekend. We got to find that identity once again, and we got to, we got to take it back and we got to own it and never throw it away. You know, we got to cherish that identity. So we'll, we'll yeah. see what type of, uh, what type of team we're going to see this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for what it's worth, I, I just did a little bit of a deep dive while you were talking there, um, looking through UConn's schedule. They don't have a win this year against a team that's better than 26th in the pairwise. So Ooh. so Vermont Vermont and Merrimack are tied for 26th in the pairwise. Those are their best wins this season, but other than that, they've really been feasting off of bottom dwellers in the country. So uh so pretty interesting there. They haven't shown that they could beat anybody that you would really call a a good uh college hockey program this year. Interesting. See, I would have never thought about that. Yeah. So, dude, Nice, nice research there. I'll give you props on that. I wouldn't even thought to have looked at that, but um, yeah, that's that's pretty encouraging, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I, like, I mean, that that definitely kind of lifts my spirits a little bit. It seems like you know that they've been. I think the main reason why they're looking so much better in the pairwise is because I think they've won all the games that they're quote unquote supposed to win. Yeah, but it seems like that they're kind of falling off in those games where, you know, they're the underdog and they're the underdog for a reason. They can't seem to rise to the occasion. We'll we'll yeah. see we'll see how it works out. You know, I don't really want to be in the business of making predictions right now because it seems like I always get them wrong. So in order to protect UMass, I'm going to shut up. But yeah, it sounded <laughs> like you were going to say something. So let's hear it. 
Well, yeah, they 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 have losses to BC. Uh, Maine took care of them pretty handily. They actually took BC to overtime. That's probably their best results on the year so far. But yeah, the rest of their schedule, a lot of a lot of teams that are in the 40s, 50s, and even 60s of that that pairwise ranking, which is um, their strength of schedule compared to UMass this year is definitely lesser. I would say. Fair enough, and yeah, we're still we still have a better record than them. So again, yeah. a classic case of. We got to be able to do this weekend what we didn't do last weekend. You know what I mean? Like we've hit that point where we just got to look back on it and learn from it. You know what I mean? Like a mistake is only a mistake if you're going to continue to make the mistake. You learn from it and you grow. We're good to go. You know what I mean? So definitely hoping that uh, Carby can right the ship. We're not in panic mode just yet, but if things go, go wrong against UConn, I might be a little bit more concerned. Yeah, and I'm just taking a look at some stats here um, to finish up. Pretty solid face-off team. They're above 50%. Uh, pretty undisciplined. They're at four and a half penalties per game, so maybe something UMass can take advantage of there. Uh, 2.7 goals per game, 2.7 goals against per game, so they're not scoring a whole lot. Their defense has been pretty decent, but you do have to take into account that strength of schedule also. And then on the power play, um, 13%, so not great conversion rate there, but their penalty kill, also 13%, so they're, they're killing penalties at a pretty good clip, so... Um, from everything that I'm looking at, these stats um, kind of makes sense with uh, what we've been talking about, taking advantage of lesser opponents but still not lighting the world on fire, it seems. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, I think this is a very different team from last year. Like, I'm trying to actually pull it up right now. Like, I'm trying to remember, like, some of, like, their nasty players from the previous season. Like, Matthew wasn't getting the job done. Yeah, I just – I know I'm trying to pull up the – there was one guy, Ryan – to Verberg, Verberg, yeah, whatever. Verberg, yep. He he is no longer with the team. That guy was a freaking thorn in our side, bro. Mm. Like when it came to playing against UMass, he used to show up. You know, Matthew Wood was filthy last season. Hudson Shandor were filthy last season. They're both back on the roster for this season. Not really putting on that same sort of point per game pace, but they're they're you know definitely still a top player on their on their you know on their team. And I think their goalie situation is a little bit different this year. I remember last year they had uh, – it was Sergeyev, and then they had another, like, Canadian dude. I think it was, like, Logan Turness. Yep. Let me, I You're think right. that sounds You're right. right. Okay, yeah. Where did he end up going? I'm actually curious about that. Let's take a quick gander. He went to Ohio State. Wow, interesting. They're having and, a rough year. I just saw him pretty low I, in the pairwise. Yeah, that's what I'm taking a look at right now. His stats are tough, mm. but – um. Point is, is that they're holding on to Sergeyev, but then they brought in. Let me see. Was it Ethan Hinder? Yeah, he, uh, a senior transfer from Clarkson. Funny enough, and you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> that means so that Clark, the, Clarkson will try to haunt us for one more weekend, dude. I actually, I remember that guy. He yep. had a really good game against us. All right, well. That just ruined the rest of my night. Um, I think I'm ready to pack up the pod right about now. But no, yeah, in so all seriousness, he, yeah, th- it might be a little scary, I feel like. Yeah, so so Ethan Hader, he's getting the starting minutes for UConn this year. He has pretty good numbers, 2.33 goals against average, uh, a 914 save percentage. He's gotten in 14 games. Uh, he looks, looks pretty good, honestly. And uh, obviously, we got to take a look at him last year at Clarkson, so... Uh, he's who I'd have to assume is going to get the start for the one game on Friday. All we have to do is we need to we need to get more pucks to the net that you know than we did basically in in Lake Placid. Like that was kind yeah. of the major thing that both Carvey and me and you were kind of noticing. It was a lot of outside shots, 
you know, it just we weren't really getting anything greasy. And I feel like this this is gonna be a game where we gotta get some greasy stuff done. You know, Hater, he had already a pretty good rapport against us last season. He's already looking really, really good in general this season. He's gonna clearly be tough to break down. The best way to do that is just by getting some greasy crap in front of the net. And that's really the end of it. You know what I mean? That's how you're gonna beat most goalies. So if we go back to what was working and what got us this far in the season already, we'll be in good shape. But we might have to bring it back to basics a little bit for uh, for this UConn game, I think. Yep. And I uh are you I have a question. Are you uh are you fully ready to hit the panic button if uh UMass loses against UConn or are you kind of just gonna take it uh game by game at that point? I mean it, it define panic button, right? Because like would I be concerned? Yeah, if you're not concerned, I'd be a little bit concerned for you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there there's definitely gonna be cause for concern there, but I don't get worried really until the pairwise starts tanking and it's clear that we are in like an irreparable funk. You know what I mean? Like the outside looking in. Yeah. Like, I mean, the only time I'm really going to get nervous is once our pairwise chunks its way down to like 14th or 15th. Yeah. I, that that's going to take at least a couple losses to, to happen. I'm pretty sure. And if we're going to be riding at that point for, in order for that to happen, what maybe a four to five game losing streak on top of the already the two that we lost over this weekend, like then that would clearly be some cause for alarm because we'd be on like a six game losing streak at that point. Yeah, like it's that's that's definitely going to be panic button mode. But if it's just against UConn, if we if we get a sweep against Merrimack the following weekend, we're fine. I don't think this is the game to be concerned about. It would be the Merrimack okay. series. Okay. Yeah, I'm 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 starting I'm a little nervous if I'm being honest. Um UMass was ninth in the pairwise going into the Lake Placid weekend. Right now they're 11th, so they dropped two spots um after a tie to a good team and a um overtime loss. Uh we'll we'll have to see how it shapes out. Uh Northeastern or uh, New Hampshire's kind of kind of free falling in their pairwise. I think they definitely need to be concerned. I think I'm with you. I think I'll give it this one game especially with the um the goaltender situation kind of being up in the air as of right now. Um, I wouldn't pick this game if they were to lose to freak out, but um, definitely something to keep our eye on going into that Merrimack series the weekend after that. I think that one's the big one to keep an eye out for. Yeah. I mean, like if we lose big time to UConn, like it depends on the context of the loss, right? Like if we get freaking destroyed, like six, nothing. Yeah. I'm going to be concerned. I'm hitting the freaking panic button. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. but if it's like, another random like three two heartbreaking ot loss i'd be a little bit freaking concerned but at least it was close you know what i mean like i think there's kind of levels to the losses if that yeah. makes sense so we'll see how it goes and then you know i'll, I'll, I'll react accordingly yeah yeah so I, I think we're at a consensus this isn't necessarily a must win uh but if you don't win this one it may it creates some must wins uh, going down the stretch here in the rest of the season, so uh, shouldn't shouldn't be too hard given the given this um, results that UConn has had so far. Get the job done. Uh, let's not even have to think about that come next week. Yeah, exactly. We'll see. All right, so that is everything we have. Thank you guys for sticking it out. Another another long episode here, but uh, we appreciate it if you guys have listened thus far. We couldn't be more excited to get the second half of this season underway. Should be a lot of fun, especially if UMass can make some noise and uh, get themselves in the playoff picture. Um, be a, it'd be really fun. Uh, we didn't get that last season. I, I think it'd be 
Um, I think we're on the right track this season, and I couldn't be more excited. So, again, thank you guys for listening once again, and go UMass. Go UMass. Take care, everybody. Let's get a nice bounce-back win against UConn this weekend. Let's do it.